He's faithful, amen? How many could, you know, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but how many could stand tonight and say that? You stand up, you can stand up boldly and say, my God is faithful. Amen. He's, he's been so good. He's been so faithful over and over and over and over and over again. Amen. Well, how many are glad we've already been in the presence of God and now we're going to eat some spiritual food. Amen. Get your Bibles open, if you would, to the book of Leviticus, <clears throat> chapter 17. And while you're getting there, I want to uh, remind you that uh, our, our youth will be going to camp on Saturday and we're going to pray for those that are here tonight before the service is over for safe travel and uh, we're going to be lifting up them all week as they go that they would get touched and transformed and and uh, come back on fire amen and pray that that fire will last for a year not a week amen can you say amen forever yes that's even better forever all right, so we're going to pray for them, and then we're also going to have a quick little celebration after service for our July birthdays. How many July birthdays do we have? Let me see July birthdays. Just raise your hand. One back here, over here, Dylan, Ryan, Ryan's in the back. Anybody else? Yeah, I already said him. He's trying to, get, he's trying to do jumping jacks over there. Dylan, amen, Dylan, Ryan. Amen. We'll have some cake. My mom wanted to try to make sure that we celebrated every month all the birthdays because there's so many to do it every time. So we'll try to keep that going. Amen. And then don't forget, uh, Saturday at 10 o'clock, Warriors will be here. The Warriors. Y'all know who the Warriors are? Y'all ever met the Warriors before? Amen. Those that would go out and outreach in this hot sun we could do it at about three o'clock in the morning but for one it'd still be hot and for two people be drunk so we got to try to get them sober amen but we're going to be here at 10 i will be here with whoever else will be here with me whether it's two or 20 we're going to go outreach amen so i'm looking forward to seeing whoever will show up with me and go outreach and pass out flyers, talk to some people, and tell people Jesus saves. Amen. Thank you for your amazing excitement about that. That's all right, though. I'll, I'll give you credit for it. Leviticus chapter 17. I want to continue just for a few minutes tonight about the atonement of Jesus Christ. I mean, we talked about this Sunday morning. How many got something out of Sunday morning's message about learning about the atonement of Jesus Christ? Amen. The blood that he shed for us, the substitution, one for one. Amen. I'll quickly just remind you what we talked about if you weren't here. One for one. The atonement of Jesus Christ is a substitutionary, sacrificial act that Jesus Christ did for us. And he died once and for all and shed his blood on that cross so that we could have eternal life. Now, I'm going to throw something out there. I, I didn't finish really getting into it. I'm not, uh, we're not uh, bastards of religion or bastards of things, but truth is truth. Amen? How many know truth is truth? And so how many have ever studied other religions? Or just, let's not even say other religions. How many have studied religions? Because we're not a religion. Amen? We're, ch we're the children of God. Kingdom, the, we're the kingdom of God. We're the believers. We're the, we're the church. So it's not other religions. But if, you've, if you have studied religions, they all have some truth in them. And we know that they all got their truth from the Bible. 
And so I was reading a little bit, for example, maybe some of you came out of this or knew pe know people today who are, were in the Mormon church. And I found this little link and I began to read it. And it just blows me away and amazes me how all these religions will just have so much truth and just a little bit of poison in it. Just enough to get you off track and make you wrong. They try to stay close, but they just got to add something else. Now, I'm not saying that this test has a little bit of, of wrong, but I began to read, and I began to read, and I got to several pages, and on these pages, it was Jesus and the Redeemer, and he shed his blood for us, and he was the eternal king, and, 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 and we could live forever because of him. And I mean, it just went on and on and on and on, and I kept looking to see, okay, where, where's it going to start? And so they'll say all these good things to get you reeled in, and then about the fourth or fifth page of this thing I was looking on, then all of a sudden it comes in the account of Joseph Smith. And that he received the word. And that he got a new revelation from the Lord. And, in, and it just goes on. And so what, what happens with that, and this is what I want to tie in with atonement, is that when we try to add anything to Jesus Christ, that's when you're off. Okay? You can't say that Jesus Christ is my atonement, that he is my substitution, that he died for me so I could live, and then say, but also, and add something else. How many follow that? Atonement means only Jesus. Only Jesus died. Only Jesus rose from the dead. And only Jesus can get us to heaven. How many can say amen to that tonight? Amen? It, only Jesus. you got to understand that. You cannot allow people to bring these other things in. And so I just was reading that, and it's just, many of you might have read it, but it's interesting. So keep your eyes on Jesus, and don't ever let anybody add anything to what Jesus did. Because we know that all the way back, as we were talking about Sunday morning, about the atonement, about what Jesus did for us, that he had to shed his blood and that goes back to what we talked about with first of all Adam and Eve's sin but the blood came in when Cain killed Abel there was bloodshed and so there had to be blood shed for that sacrifice there had to be blood for blood life for life and so we read in, 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 uh, on Sunday morning, Genesis, sorry, Leviticus 17, if you're there, read one verse here, and then we're going to move on to some new stuff tonight. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the what? Blood. Okay, the life of your flesh is in the blood. And he says, and I have given it to you upon the altar to do what? Make atonement for your souls. Okay, so he, he has given his blood as the sacrifice, as the substitution for your sin. Okay, for your souls. He didn't say, I give you atonement for your body because your body is going to die. We need, a, we need atonement for our souls, the, the, the thing that's going to live forever. Okay, I, I heard something really good, and this is just another example. A lot of times, you know, we just did some funerals recently and, and people die all the time. We know that. And they leave this earth and hopefully we would think about that more often than not that people are dying in their sin. But when people die, it's just like the, a, a person wearing a glove. When you got a glove on, that hand inside that glove is moving those, those fingers are moving that glove. And that is 
that that is the soul and once the soul die or once the body dies then that glove comes off and it's just the body is just that glove there's nothing moving that glove anymore and so when once that's done we have to realize that our soul continues to live forever and we need to know that because of what Jesus did on the cross on Calvary through his blood he substituted what the Bible tells us was a different course okay how many know sometimes we've been saved for a while, we forget what we've been saved from? We need to be reminded of what we've been saved from. And not only have we been saved from our sins, and not only have we been saved from eternal damnation, we've been saved from a curse, really, on this earth of having to do what they did in the Levitical priesthood. Because if you go back and read the Bible, you need to be very thankful that we live in the New Testament. And we live in the grace period because the things they had to do back then when they sinned was a lot. And Jesus came to become that perfect sacrifice. And every year, this was in Leviticus or Exodus 30. This was in Leviticus uh, 24. You see the, the priesthood always had to come in and the priest had to make atonement, the day of atonement, for the whole body of believers for the whole year. They had to go into that holy of holies and they had to do all these things. And so Jesus came to be that for us. Don't discredit the Old Testament. It's showing us how powerful the new covenant is. Okay? Don't just say, I can't understand it. I don't want to read it. You need to read it so you realize how much he saved us from. Not only in eternal life, but here on this earth. Okay? So he says, again, life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It is not a man. It is not a religion. It is not an act. It is not a work. It is the blood. Nothing else will atone your soul. And the reason that the blood of Jesus is that atoning blood is because it was perfect. And that's another message. Okay? That's a whole other message. Now, I want to read a quick story just to give you an example of how precious the blood is. This is a true story. A man was telling about this story, and I want to read it to you tonight. On February 16th, 1989, the lives of George and Vera Bajinski of Ontario, Canada were changed forever. It was a normal Thursday morning. The phone rang, rang at 9.15 a.m. There was an accident involving their son, Ben. As they approached the intersection, put yourself in the shoes of these parents. As they approached the intersection of Adelaide and Simcoe Streets near the high school, they could see the flashing, is this one off? They could see the flashing lights and the police cars and the ambulance units. Vera noticed a photographer and followed the direction of his camera lens to the largest pool of blood she'd ever seen. All she could say was, George, Ben went home. Ben went home to be with the Lord. Her first reaction was to jump out of the car, somehow collect that blood that was on the street, and somehow put it back into her son. His heart was smitten. He wanted to cover the blood with his coat and cry. You will not drive over the blood of my son. So I, I skipped a part there. The, I, skipped that, I messed that up. Let me go back a second. That didn't make sense. 
George went home to be with his heavenly father. The first reaction was to jump out the car, somehow collect the blood, put it back in her son. She says, that blood for me at that moment became the most precious thing in the world because that blood was his life. Okay? It was a life-giving blood and it belonged to my son, she says, my only son that I loved so much. The road was dirty and the blood did not belong on that road. George noticed that cars were driving through the intersection of the accident right through their son's blood. His heart was smitten. He wanted to cover the blood with his coat and cry, you will not drive over the blood of my son. And Vera understood for the first time in her life one of the greatest commandments. One of the greatest and most, sorry, beautiful truths was this, why blood? Because it was the strongest language God could have used. The blood was the most precious gift he could have gave. Y'all follow me? It's the most precious thing he could have gave. And it was the highest price he could pay. Through God's amazing love, we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We've got to get an understanding tonight. If we're going to understand atonement, we have to understand how precious the blood is. Why the blood is so important. And I will get into that probably Sunday. I'll, I'll begin to talk about the blood and why it's so important. Amen. I want you to look tonight quickly or write down just a few things. If you would, five things quickly in your notes that the atoning blood of Jesus did for us. How many know everything that God did, he did for benefit for us? He did not die on that cross to sound good and say, well, I died and, and to make, a, again, a religion. He died for a reason. How many don't want Jesus to die in vain? That should be our purpose in life is that Jesus did not die in vain. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a life that is pleasing to Jesus, that is a life that is talking about Jesus, that a life is a life that's living unto God so that God's life and Jesus' life was not given in vain. Here's, here's some things that the, that the Bible tells us. I'm going to give you some verses. This is a good moment to take some notes. And right before I tell you that, I'm going to read the end of a verse I read Sunday night, Sunday morning, sorry, that I want you to hear. In 2 Corinthians 5. Many know this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Any man is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Old things are passed away. Behold what? All things have become. Everybody, how many have heard that verse before? A lot of people quote that verse, Okay. But it goes on to say that the, the reason why we are able to be a new creation is because God has reconciled us back to him. We were born in sin. Every single one of us are born in sin. Ever, ever since that day, Adam and Eve failed. Ever since Cain killed Abel, there has been a cry, the Bible said on Sunday morning, for his blood. A cry up to heaven for the blood, to avenge that blood that was shed. It was never God's plan to have to shed blood. We did that. We did that. And we are just as guilty. How many know a lot of times it's easy for us to blame Adam and Eve? And man, Adam and Eve, why'd they mess up? We are no different. How many know that we would have done the same thing? Be honest. Amen? It's easy to blame them and say, man, they messed us up, they cursed us, but the bottom line is we put Jesus on that cross. Can you say amen? 
That's the truth. We put him on that cross. But since he came to become our atonement, he reconciled us back to a relationship with him that was perfect, that was like it was even before the Garden of Eden, even before Adam and Eve. And in this reconciliation, listen, it says that, this is 2 Corinthians 5.19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation to whom much is given, this is not in the verse, to whom much is given, much is required. If you've been given much tonight, if you've been saved from much tonight, then we should do something to let other people know about what Jesus can do for them. The worst thing we can do as believers is be selfish. Amen. Just take our ticket to heaven and just take what we have to heaven. We've got to share it. I was saying Sunday morning, we have the anti-venom for this world. We have the answer. We have the vial that can, that can save their lives. We have that, that, that blood that can save their infection tonight, and it's the blood of Jesus. And it says in verse 21, listen to this, this will lead into it. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Okay, that's the math equation. It, 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 it equals it out. It takes away. He became sin. We're sinners. He became sin for us. He that had no sin became sin for us. That is why, watch this, that is why, again, nobody else, doesn't matter how good Joseph Smith was, doesn't matter how good Mary was, doesn't matter how good Hare Krishna was, doesn't matter how good Buddha was, doesn't matter how good Muhammad was, doesn't matter how good any God that you can place in that place, you can put there, it doesn't matter how good they were, none of them were perfect. Okay? None of them were able to be the sacrifice that could atone our sin and put us back into a place of reconciliation. Only Jesus could do that. Sometimes we say, why are we so closed-minded? Why are we so, why are we so only Jesus? Why, why, why? Because he's the only one that can pay the price. He's the only one that's perfect. And so if I'm a sinner, there has to be somebody who takes my place who's not a sinner. How many know it's important to worship somebody who's able to take your place? If I'm worshiping another man or a woman or a person, how are they going to take my place when they need someone to take their place? You get, see, that's the substitution. I have to have somebody take my place who has not sinned, who can become sin for me. That's what Jesus did. He walked in, you know, I gave that example Sunday morning of the courtroom and it was just an example to get you to understand. Someone walking in, taking the death penalty, saying, I'll die for them, going to the, to the death chamber for them. But the bottom line is, even that example falls short. Because the person who came in to take their place was just as guilty as the one he was taking the place for. You see that? The reason Jesus is so powerful and his name is the name above every name is he's the only one who was God and came down to be us so that he that had no sin could take the place of us who had sin and substitute our sin and eliminate the sin in our lives and reconcile us back to God he who he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay? How many want to be righteous tonight? We need to understand what I'm talking about here. To be truly righteous, we have to understand how unrighteous we are. Here's a few things to write down. Just a few. There's many more, but here's a few that the atonement did. First, I talked about this just now. I talked about this Sunday morning. There was a substitution of our penalty of sin. Okay? A substitution of the penalty of sin. Jesus took our place. Okay? He took everything away from us. And what that means is, I'm going to make this clear, these five things real quick for just a few moments. What that means is we were condemned to death. Okay? The Bible says in Romans 6.23, most of you know this verse, for the wages of sin is death. Okay, That's, that's simple and easy to understand. We have all, Romans 3.23, fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, So we have a penalty tonight. We are born, no matter what country or city or family we're born into, we're born into sin. We're born to die. That's not really good news, is it? But it's the truth. We're born to die. We're born to go to hell. We're born cursed. We're born with spiritual AIDS. We're born with spiritual cancer. We're born sick, and we need help. And as we go on through our life, those that are not in here tonight and those of us that were this before we got saved, we were living our lives every day, many of us not even knowing, just on our path to an eternal prison in hell. Okay, an eternal prison was waiting for us. We walk free and, and we do our own thing and we live life and we go through the motions and all of us did this and we've been changed and we have to understand this, but the world still does it and they're just walking and living and not knowing that the second they die, they pass from this life into prison. That's why when you look at somebody who spent their entire life in prison, sad for them. Because without Jesus, they go from one prison to another. Okay, they're going to go to prison. That, that's what's, how many get that? That's what's waiting for us. That is our destiny. An eternal prison. These are some things I want you to see because they make us appreciate more what we've been saved from. You cannot forget that that is where we were going. That is why when we sing, how great is our God, we can sing it with such a joy and such an anointing and such a peace and such a happiness because we think, oh God, how great you were that you saved me from my internal imprisonment in hell. That was my destiny, amen? How many can know when we sing, that's what we're doing. We're saying, how great is my God, amen? He saved me from eternity in hell. Not just a pretty melody or a pretty song someone wrote. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So number one, the atonement removed our penalty. It removed our death sentence. Number two, the blood of Jesus ransomed us. Ransomed us. Okay, gave us a ransom. Listen to this, from the hands of a, what have we been ransomed from? Just sin? No, we have been ransomed from a devil who hates us. We've been ransomed out of the hands of a hateful and a deceptful devil. Okay, 
We know what ransom means. It means you're being held for ransom. It means I want something back for you. I want something. The devil had us held down and says, I want something back. I want something. I don't want to go to hell by myself. Jesus ransomed us. Watch this. Galatians 1.4. Write this down. Galatians 1.4. Don't look at these for time, but write them down. Look at them later. I'll read them to you. It says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. That he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, our Father. Okay? So we've been ransomed. That's something else the atonement does for us. Amen? We've been ransomed. Number three, we've been redeemed. The atonement gives us redemption. I'm telling you, these are good notes you're going to want to look back at later. These are good notes you're going to want to share with somebody to help them know what they've been saved from. How many ever heard someone say, I, I, what do I, are you saved from what? Uh, let me tell you real quick. Here's some things you've been saved from. Right? What am I been saved from? What do I need to be saved from? People don't, how many know people need to know that they're going to hell so they need, know they don't want to go there? That's one of the problems with the church today. Church don't ever talk about hell so no one ever really worries about going there. But when you begin to tell people that's your destiny, that's where you're going. If you don't change your life, then they might begin to think, well, maybe I don't want to go there. But if they don't know they're going there, then how are they going to know they're going there? Someone's got to tell them. And then if they don't want to go there, they can know they can be redeemed from that. We can be ransomed, redeemed from what? From a fallen state of relationship. What are we redeemed from? From the fallen state of relationship. The, the, the atonement tonight brings us back to Adam and Eve. They had a perfect relationship with God. Didn't last long. I tried to get us to understand that Sunday morning how sad it was that God made us and immediately we turned our back on him immediately we changed immediately we sinned and then not only that not only did they fall they had kids and immediately they fell and i and i asked you how do you feel how would you feel if that was you i don't know if i put myself in god's shoes i can see why he destroyed sodom and gomorrah i can see why he said i wish i would have never made you people right we just put ourselves in his shoe for a second he's just all he's trying to do is bless us he's trying to give us a great life and we just don't want to listen. I'm talking about the human race. So we've been redeemed from a fallen state of relationship. Tonight we can have a relationship again with Jesus. Not a religion. Not a five steps or a ladder to get up. A relationship. A loving, intimate relationship because of the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ. How many can know that that's where a lot of people miss out right there? The relationship part. Number four, sorry, I didn't read a verse. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Okay, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. We can pray tonight. We can get on our knees. We can pray right now in that chair. We can lay in our bed tonight. In the morning we wake up, we can be in the car. We can talk to God in a relationship because Jesus gave us reconciliation and he redeemed us back to God gave us a place where we could talk to him and say God you know what I'm having a bad day you know God uh, I'm a little bit bothered God I need some peace God we just talk to him like I'm talking right now we can have a relationship because of the atonement and number four I got ahead of myself with the last word we can have reconciliation 
Okay, there's a difference between redemption and reconciliation. The redemption gets us back out of that fallen state. The reconciliations gives us a relationship again. I kind of tied three and four together. A relationship back with God. Real relationship. I ask you tonight, every one of you that's here, how bad do you want a relationship with Jesus? A relationship. Not a religion. Not a, um, we do A, B, C, D because we know we're supposed to, but we do it because we love God. My brother-in-law was asking me today, he was reading, he reading some verses in Matthew, and, and he got to the place where Matthew 5 and 6, and it talked about the Lord's Prayer. And he said, the Lord, it says right there, this is how you should pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he begins to go through it. He says, he says, explain that a bit to me. Is that, is that how we're supposed to pray? Is that what we're supposed to pray? Is that what we're supposed to say? And people in many religions and churches around the world, they pray these prayers. They, 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 they say these things. And they're, they're, they're trying to, to have a relationship with God, but they're not talking from their heart. And I said, listen, that's just an example of how a structure of your prayer can be, but God doesn't want to hear you say the same words every single day. I said, if you went and talked to your wife, and I told you, here's some good things to do for your wife. You know, treat her good, love her, tell her you love her every day. Tell, I still start with that. Tell her you love her every day. And if I gave him some steps of how to have a good marriage from experience, and he began to say the same things every day to his wife, how many know that's not going to work? Not the same things every day. After about a week, they're going to say, you said that for the last seven days in a row. Can you say something new? How many are following me? And, and you'd be trying to do something. You'd be trying to do it right, but you weren't doing it from your heart. And so that's, that's the understanding we've got to have. Reconciliation, Jesus died, not so we would be robots. We, he could have made us robots if he wanted to. Serve me, worship me, do what I say. He could have done that, and sometimes we think it might have been easier that way. That's not how he chose to do it. He wants us to want a relationship with him. He wants us to want to spend time with him. Number five, finally, healing. I said there's more to this, but here's some examples. Healing. Healing. The atonement gives us healing in our bodies has anybody in here been healed look at all the hands has anybody in here been healed more than once does anybody in here just absolutely without a doubt know and believe jesus heals okay why why can we be healed because of the atonement because of the shed blood. He did not only die for our sins. He died for our sicknesses. And a lot of times in church world today. And sometimes even just in, in Bible times. It seems like a lot of that's been left behind. And we don't walk in the power that God wants us to walk in today. We don't use the power that God left us with the atonement. How many would agree that there's a whole lot of power we don't tap into? I'm guilty, you're guilty, we're all guilty. We don't tap into the atoning power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That when he died for that sickness on our bodies, he died for our infirmities, he died for it all. And some people, some people will say, well, how come so-and-so doesn't get healed then? How come so-and-so died? And we begin to ask questions, get, don't get in trouble. 
Don't go to hell over a mystery. Just believe. Let God be God. Amen? If you begin to ask, that's why a lot of people today don't believe for miracles. They don't pray for the sick. Because they think, well, what if I pray and nothing happens? Well, that might be God's problem. Right? I'm not the healer. I'm just exercising the power of the atonement of the blood of Jesus. And God does the rest. All I got to do is believe. First Peter, watch this, says in 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. I don't know how lately we've thought about that. We need to remember that when Jesus was in the garden, I was thinking about this today. There's a whole long road that he went along. There's so many things you could talk about, but just think about going back to the garden. The thought, we've talked about this before, it's not so much just the nails in the hands. It's not so much the beatings on the back. It's not so much the crown of thorns. There's a whole lot to all that. And the spit on and the tearing the beard out and the mocking him and all the things you can go into that we should remember very often. It is him thinking about the fact that he is going to have to bear on his body the sicknesses of the world. Now we can talk about that for five years and never grasp it. How many have been in some real pain? I mean been real. We all have. There's nobody here that hasn't been in a time in their life where they were wishing they had died. Everybody, everybody, anybody ever been that sick? I think probably most of us. At one time, there's some time in your life you got real sick and you just thought, I just wish I would die right now. I just wish I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I, I just, out, please, Lord. Not that you would kill yourself, but you just wish it was over. You were in so much pain, whether it was abdominal or headache or migraine or whatever it was. That pain you felt was one time, one person. Can we even fathom what God, Jesus Christ, took on his body on that cross? We cannot. And Jesus is telling us here that I took that pain. I don't know about you. I, I, this is an example that's come to me a whole lot of times, and I, and I have to catch myself on it all the time. And the Holy Spirit rebukes me on it, and I remind myself, when you see your kids sick, parents, there's nothing worse how many parents would agree? Nothing, and it doesn't matter how old they are. It's bad when they're babies. It's bad when they're 19. When, De when Kristen had that appendectomy a few months ago, I saw my little baby. I, didn't, I wasn't looking at a 19-year-old woman. I was looking at my little baby. And I would have done anything for her to not be in the pain she was in. Okay? And so a lot of times over the years, we've always believed heavily, and I thank my mom for this, in prayer. We don't run to the doctor for everything. I can tell you that today at 40 years old, I have never had an operation. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. I've never had an operation. I've been in the hospital one time in my entire life, and it was for an appendectomy that I got healed of. Okay? I'm not saying that to brag. I'm bragging on God. We don't run to the doctor for everything. There, there may be some times to come, God forbid. But I'm just saying, we don't just get a headache or get sick and just run to the pharmacy, run to the doctor. We run to Jesus. 
We run to the blood of Jesus. We run to the atoning power of Jesus because my Bible tells me he died on the cross for that sickness. And so we pray. And my kids know to go get some oil. And I need to take some smaller oil to the house because I have this big thing oil we bust out. And it's like a huge spout and it doesn't work very good. So, but we use it. And we pray for each other. And many times over the years when I've prayed for my daughters being sick, I have said, and many of you would understand this, as a parent, I have said, God, put their sickness on me. How many parents have said that? Lord, let that fever come on me. Lord, let that pain come on me. And all the times, even though I've done it a million times, every time I've done it, Jesus has said, no, I took that on my body. You don't need to take it on you. He has always reminded me of that. Amen? That's the truth. And so we have to remind ourselves, no, Jesus took that on his body for me. He gave me healing through the atonement of Jesus Christ. He gave me healing that I have to exercise and have to walk out. Him, he himself bore our sins. I'm reading 1 Peter 2.24. In his own body on the tree, watch this, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed amen by his stripes we were healed that is something we must remember church and i'm not again i'm not sitting here saying i'm never going to stop praying for the sick i'm never going to stop believing that god when i pray for pastor chris's dad tonight i know without a doubt god can raise him up out of that bed i have no doubt and I'm not just going to say, well, whatever God's will is. I know God's will is to heal. Amen? But God's going to do what he's going to do. But I know God's will is to heal. And if we would just believe more, how many remember that God is more eager to answer than we are to ask? We've got to tap into that power. There's going to be some times that you don't see the healing. I've prayed for people before, and they've died. Yes, died. Died. They didn't, they didn't live. They didn't get out of the bed. That does not stop me from praying for them because I am not the healer. I am somebody who believes in the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not God. Stop, don't worry about what is going to and not going to happen. Just be a believer and walk according to his word. Amen? These are five benefits that we get because of the atonement. I want to finish with one more story tonight. And I'll read it in just a second. How many have ever heard of Martin Luther? Mightily used of God many, many, many years ago. He was doing some family devotions with his family. And one time they were reading the account of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice. And go up and put them on the altar and raise the sword and do all that in Genesis 22. And his wife Katie, it's a true story, his wife Katie said, I don't believe it. I don't believe that story. Katie said, I don't, this is Martin Luther's wife. I don't believe that that, that, that could happen. I don't believe God would have treated his son like that, she said. You know what Martin Luther did? He looked at her and said, Katie, he did treat him like that. Did you get that? Yes, he did. You better believe it. God put his son on the altar. He asked Abraham to see if he would, but he put his son on the altar because God never asked us to do something he wouldn't do himself. Amen? I'm going to close with this. A man tells a true story of his hometown that two brothers are playing on a sandbank by the river. And one ran after the other, and they're running after each other, and one runs up a large mound of sand. 
Unfortunately, the mound was not solid, as sand usually is not. And their weight caused them to sink quickly into the sand. That night, the boys did not come home from dinner. for dinner. The family and the neighbors began to organize a search. They found the younger brother unconscious, with his head and shoulders sticking out above the sand. When they cleared the sand to his waist, he awakened. And the searcher said, where is your brother? The child replied, I'm standing on his shoulders. The, ch the, the child replied, I'm standing on his shoulders. With the sacrifice of his own life, the older brother lifted the younger to safety by, by letting him stand on his own shoulders and giving his own life. That sacrificial love of that older brother literally served as a foundation for the entire life of that younger brother. That sacrifice was what that gave the young man his life. We don't realize enough tonight that the reason we're here is because of the sacrifice of God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And so write this down, this last verse, and the musicians can come tonight, Hebrews chapter 2. I want to challenge you to read the book of Hebrews. Really read it through. And really, as you read the book of Hebrews, really, really stop and think about what Jesus did for us. I want to ask you a question. How many know that when you really begin to read again the account of what Jesus did for us, we can put ourselves in the place of that family who lost their son? This really, really is, is the breakdown. Because we, we sin, and we know we sin, and we know we make mistakes. But we don't want to sin habitually and on purpose and trample the blood of Jesus Christ. And you think about that story of those parents. God forbid anybody would ever have to go through something like that. I can't even imagine. Parents, you can't even imagine coming upon an accident, seeing a pool of blood, and knowing your child is in that. Can't imagine. But as a parent, or even a brother or sister, if you're not a parent, you can put yourself in those shoes and think, God, that's my child, my brother, my sister, my friend's blood. And like they said, they're driving over it. They're just driving past like it's nothing. Do you, do you ever drive? I hope, I hope you don't. Do you ever drive by accidents like nothing happened? Our hearts should stop and think, that's somebody's loved one. That's somebody's loved one in that car. We should pray for them. But... When we think about that accident, we should think about what Jesus did for us and that I don't want to do anything to trample the blood that Jesus shed for me. Amen? That's the kind of life we need to live. I know we've all made mistakes. We've all trampled it. But God, help us not to trample his blood. Help us to really understand that, listen, what Hebrews 2 says, Jesus was willing to sacrifice like that older brother was he said I'll give my life for yours I will die so you can live what a sacrifice and I just don't ever want to stop God help me never forget the sacrifice you gave for me it says he was fitting for him I'm reading the scriptures in Hebrews 2 for whom all things are by whom all things are that bringing many sons to glory, he would be the captain of their salvation through sufferings. 
For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Can you believe Jesus calls us brother tonight? Wow. The king of kings, the name above all names, calls us brother. He's that older brother. And I know you, we can't really just stay there looking at him as an older brother. He's way higher and he's way more exalted. But the idea that that, bo- that brother would give his life, that older sister would give her life for the younger sister, the sacrifice is what we need to look at. And he says, I'm not ashamed to call you brothers. I'll declare your, your name to my brethren. This is Hebrews 2. And in, in the midst of the assembly, I'll praise to you and I will put my trust in him again. And it says, here I am and the children whom God has given me that they would be partakers of flesh and blood he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy the power of who had power over death that is the devil and release those who through fear of death were in a lifetime subject to bondage for indeed he does not give this is verse 16 aid to angels but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham that's us therefore verse 17 in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins that's atonement of the people verse 18 for in that he himself has suffered being tempted he's able to aid those who are tempted the reason the Levitical priesthood didn't work is because they did not know what it felt like to die for the people. Can I close with that last thought? If you've never understood the Levitical priesthood, if you've never understood why Jesus had to come, why that didn't work, they were sinners like the people they were going in for. Okay? They did sin like them, so they could go and say, God, I'm standing in for the atonement of all these people that sin because I'm a sinner and I understand the sin. But they could not understand what it would be like to give their lives for those people. How many understand that? That's the difference. They couldn't get that part because all they were doing was bringing in the blood of a calf. Y'all still here? This is real important. All they were doing was bringing in the calf. Didn't, didn't cost them anything. Didn't cost them at all. They, they, so they could not understand suffering. They just went and killed the calf, got the blood, went in, did the sacrifice, but did not hurt them at all. Jesus came down and said, the, the only way I'm really going to make myself substitute for the people is if I die for them. So that they will not have to die. That's the atonement. That's the wow of the gospel. That's the thing we thank the Lord for every day. That's the thing we should cry for. That's the thing we should weep for. That's the thing we should say, God, you're so merciful. That you would come down. That you would die for me. Father, we...